All right, turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. Well, as most of you are fully aware, we've, uh, we have taken our time uh, as we have gone through this chapter. Uh, as like most things in this letter, there's just a whole lot to discuss. Including this morning, we have spent five weeks just in the, the second half of this chapter uh, which starts in verse 12 and will end in verse 21. Now, that being said, I hope that you have been able to consume some of these uh, great truths that the Apostle Paul has shared with us. As you know, our goal is not to simply say, hey, I went to church. Our goal is not to say, hey, I heard a sermon and therefore you know, everything is okay, but it's to literally take in the truths uh, that we have learned from, as we know, the all-sufficient Word of God. Now, backing up to verse 12, Paul made it clear how and through whom sin came into this world. He says it came through one man. As we know, his name was Adam. And when he sinned, when he chose his own desires over the desires of God, that's, as you know, what sin is, that, he says, brought forth death. And he knew that ahead of time. God told Adam in Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Well, as you know, it wasn't just Adam and Eve, that would die. Paul also said in verse 12, and in this way, meaning because of Adam's sin, he says that all would, um, lost my spot. He says that all, all have sinned and therefore all would die. Okay, sin brought forth death. Death came to all men, all sinned. From that time forward, through, as you know, the procreative process, everyone would be born a sinner. Everyone would be born with a nature to sin, and therefore, everyone would die. But as we also learned in the following verses, the amazing grace of God, he says, is greater than what took place through Adam. Look at verse 15. He says, the gift is not like the trespass. In other words, the gift of God is not like the trespass of Adam. He says, for if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many. And so what took place through Adam and the sin that it brought to the entire human race, we know that it was horrific. Matter of fact, it got to be so bad that as you know, outside of eight people, God ended up choosing to destroy all of mankind through a worldwide flood. Okay? So by seeing those three words, Paul said, how much more right, was the grace of God through Christ. 
As I stated twice last week, God's grace in salvation did not merely cancel the effects of Adam's sin and then put us back into a state of innocence, as if, okay, let's start over again. But rather, God's grace gives us far more than we ever lost in Adam, more than Adam ever had. And so Paul's point here is to show us that there's a huge contrast from the one act of Adam and then the one act of Christ. And as you know, the latter being superior. Notice verse 16, he says again, he wants to point this out again, again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. And he tells us how. He says the judgment followed one sin, and it brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses, and it brought justification. Once again, Paul's focus here is the greater over the lesser. Notice he says, the judgment followed one sin, and it brought condemnation. Remember that word condemnation simply means penalty. And as you know, the penalty is death, right? But, important part, Paul says the gift, that is God's grace, that is what brought us righteousness, what brought us salvation, he says it followed many trespasses and it brought justification, right? Judgment followed one sin, the gift followed many trespasses. So literally, it brings us right back to what we read earlier, how much more, how much more took place in Christ. And then finally, last week, we looked at verses 18 and 19. And let me just read those real quick. Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Here, Paul was basically just summarizing everything that he had just finished talking about in verses 12 through 17. And therefore, the conclusion is obviously the same. For all of those who are in Adam, he says, sin brought condemnation. Sin brought the penalty, and the penalty is death. For all of those who are in Christ, his one act of righteousness, which of course was his death on the cross, it brought justification and Life, A spiritual life right now on this earth, simply meaning we right now have a relationship with God while we're living on this earth, but we also look forward to another life, an eternal life, where we will actually live forever in the eternal paradise of the glory of the Lord. And so, yes, sin was, and for that matter, still is, devastating to every human being and therefore the entire world around us. But through God's grace, through Christ, which Paul mentioned in verse 15, the ugliness of sin was not just reversed, but it was actually superseded by declaring you and me 
so many things, but redeemed, right? We've been redeemed. Uh, we've been declared righteous. We are, we are now new creations in Christ who undeservedly await the riches of heaven. Well, this morning we're going to spend our time closing out the chapter with verses 20 and 21, and then I would like to share in communion together. So read with me those two verses, verses 20 and 21. It says, The law was added so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now as we begin here in verse 20, your first thought might be, why did all of a sudden the law come into play? Where did that come from? But yet, if you do continue in the verse, it makes sense because it brings this contrast back that Paul has been talking about. The contrast from sin and the greatness of God's grace. Okay? You'll notice the first half of the verse talks about sin. It says, the law was added so that the trespass might increase. Okay? Now, before we get into the actual verse, let me just uh, point out something. Um, all of the translations that we are using today, uh, as far as I know, I, I looked them all up, but it's using the word trespass in that verse. Now, most of us, to be honest with you, don't really distinguish between the word sin and trespass. Okay? We typically read them as the same, uh, except for your translation, maybe. Um, I saw you looking around there. Uh, we don't usually make a distinction between the word sin and trespass, which generally speaking is okay, will be just fine in a general sense. But, but with a simple definition, sin is what's going on on the inside, okay, that causes the trespass. Sin's what's happening in your heart, if you want to use that term, that causes the trespass. Sin, if you will, is the power within you that says, I choose the trespass. Okay? A trespass is simply a violation of a stated order. Okay? If God says, do not lie, and you choose to lie anyway, that is a trespass. Okay? It's a stated command. It is a direct violation of a commandment of God. It is the sin within you that causes you to want to lie. Okay? Usually we think there's some benefit to that. But if we do lie, there's the trespass. Does that make sense to everybody? I hope it does. What's going on inside of you is a sin. The act of violating God's command is considered the trespass. Look real quick back at, at verses 12 through 14. He mentions the word sin a lot. It says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through the one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned, 
And then he says, for before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, listen, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command as did Adam. Stop right there. That right there, folks, if you're making a distinction from sin and trespass, that last part there should be translated those who did not trespass by breaking a sin. Because that's what a trespass is. The NIV didn't really do a good job there. It says sin, but it simply said, but it should be trespass. Now, the, the New American Standard translated it in offense. The ESV used the word transgression. Okay? Neither use the word sin because the statement implies it is a trespass. Okay? A trespass is a violation of God's commands. God says, don't do this, but do this. And you say, no, and do just the opposite. That is what we call a trespass. Okay? And that is what we see here in verse 20. He calls it a trespass as it came after the law was given. Okay? You can't have a trespass without the law because, as you know, what is the law? The law are, are many commands that come directly from God. Okay? So here, I just wanted to thought, it's not something we talk about too much, but I just kind of want to take a little time to throw that out there. So we are talking about a trespass, a direct violation, a direct no to a command of God. All right, now, let's look at verse 20. Notice Notice he does not say the law was added to show sin. He does not say the law was added to reveal sin. He says it was added that sin might, what? Increase. Do you see that? The law was added so that sin might increase. That means, or that's telling us, that sin was already there before the law was added, right? The the law simply made it increase. Like just if you got that. Okay. Now I hope that reminded you of our study back in verses 13 and 14, which I read just a minute ago. But look at the very beginning of verse 13. It says, before the law was given, sin was in the world. Okay? As I stated in my introduction from verse 12, From Adam forward, everyone would sin because we're all sinners. From the very loins of Adam's onward, everyone was born with sin. We were also born with a nature to sin. It was ingrained within every single one of us. As you've heard me say before, we did not sin and therefore become a sinner. We sinned because we were sinners. Okay, you might remember when I quoted previously Psalm 51, verse 5, where David said very clearly, surely I was sinful at what? Birth. But then he went even further back than that. He says, I was sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Did you catch that? You became a sinner at conception. That's about as far back as you can go. (laughs) 
Now, it's very easy to see all this sin by just looking at Scripture. Scripture has a lot of sin going on in it. Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 4. I believe I mentioned this a few weeks back, but the very next person to enter into this world following Adam and Eve was Cain, right? Cain eventually had a little brother. And what did he do? He murdered him. He mur- you find Genesis chapter 3, you find the fall of man. Genesis chapter 4, the third person, Cain, killed the fourth person, Abel, murdered him. Sin did not start out slow, did it? Sin did not start off by, you know, Cain getting mad at him, Cain getting angry, Cain calling him a bad name, Cain kicking him in the shins. He just flat out murdered him, period. Took a life just like that. Genesis chapter 6, I mentioned this earlier just ever so briefly, but it says this. It says, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become. Every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. And so the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground, birds of the air. I am grieved that I have made them. Just a a couple verses later, he says the earth was corrupt. The earth was full of violence. Matter of fact, he uses the word corrupt three times in two verses. And as you know, that's just up to Genesis chapter 6. I mean, we can certainly keep going in history. But there's no question that, as Paul said, even before the law, there was sin. Okay? Back now to verse 20. He says the law was added so that the trespass might increase. There was already sin going on. We just read it. Lots and lots and lots of it. To the point that God destroyed the entire earth. And now he adds the law so that the trespass might increase. As you know, the very first trespass, I use that term literally, was was Adam, right? I mentioned it earlier in Genesis 2.17. God specifically said, do not eat of that tree. And what did he do? He ate of the tree, right? And we all, of course, know what took place. Down the road... When the law came, right, Moses came, and then God used him to bring forth the law. That was about 2,500 years after Adam, okay? But now, once that took place, now you're going to see an abundance, abundance of sins and trespasses. Because you see, now that you have the law saying, you must not do this, you cannot do that, right? Don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, what have you. Now, every single time the people do that, they have transgressed against God's law. They lied and cheated and stealed before, but there was no law. Right? Now that the law came, they still do it. Now, there's more and more transgressions. Okay? 
It's really no different than today. I mean, I was just trying to think of something. But, you know, even if, you know, for example, the city of Lynchburg, if they came out and said tomorrow on Monday, the 24th, there's a hundred more laws that are going to be added to the books. And those laws, whatever, you can't do this, can't do that, whatever it is. But guess what? That now means there is going to be more laws broken than before. The more laws you throw out there, the more laws that are going to get broken. That's really, that's really just the nature of man. That's what happens. I mean, I've kind of joked about it a little bit, but it, you know, if, if you this afternoon, it's only supposed to be in the what, low to mid-80s, go to the park, there's probably 25 benches at the park. Not one single person is going to have any desire to go by and start touching the benches. But you put a sign on it that says, do not touch. Now we want to touch it. We, we laugh at that sometimes, right? Wet paint, do not touch. Ooh, now I've got to touch it. I wasn't going to touch it before, but now I'm going to touch it. That is human nature. You add these laws, there's now going to be more sin. Now, as it pertains to God, why would God give the law knowing that sin would increase? Right? That's what he says. Well, number one, the law, or at least the, the moral laws of God, there are 16, or, uh, 613 laws in the Old Testament. Some of them are ceremonial, some are judicial. Many are moral, the moral standards of God. The moral law never changes. God's character never changes. But, but the law will give us God's moral standards. We need to know that. We need to know what God says is righteous. What is the right thing to do? What are things we shouldn't do? It also tells us of God's character to get to know God better. This is where he stands, right? But number two, the increase in sin is very simply going to help to show us we're screwed up and we need a Savior. More and more sin helps us to see. Look at us today. We sit here, we talk about what's going on in the world around us, how more and more jacked up it is. We can see these things. We notice these things. Okay? The law increases the sin. It helps us to see that we need a Savior. Okay? Folks, the law in and of itself is not evil because it causes men to sin. Okay? It simply proves that man is evil. That's what it does. We all know Galatians 3.24. It tells us why God gave the law. It says the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ so that we could be justified by faith. Let me say that again. The law was put in charge. God gave us the law in order to lead us to Christ. The law was never made to save any person at all. It couldn't. It's impossible. It was given to show that we need saving. The law can't save. It just simply shows us we're screwed up people. We're horrible sinners. It tells us we need to be saved. The law made us see all of our sin. Like I said, before the law was given, people were doing A, B, C, and D. But now that the, the law comes out and says you can't do A, B, C, and D, and now you're going to find out you're screwed up. What, what did Paul say in Romans 7? 
I didn't know what coveting was until the law said don't covet. <laughs> right? It's like saying, sheesh, I used to covet all the time until God said don't do that. Now when you covet, it's a sin, isn't it? It's a trespass against God. But here's the kicker. Here's, here's why Paul stated this. Look at the second half of verse 20. He says, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Once again, folks, Paul says four times in this chapter, how much more? Folks, every time those words are used, those three words, it is always applied to what God has done. You see those words, how much more? It's what God has done and what we receive. Did you catch that? If you go back and read all those, I've read them before in previous sermons. How much more always applies to the works of God and what you and I receive. God is doing so much and you and I are the recipients. That's another way of saying that. And there's one word that describes that. Grace. Grace. That's grace. What God is doing and you and I are the recipients of that. And so for all of the naysayers out there, no, God is not some big meanie who gave you the law that caused you to sin, and then that's it. That's too bad, right? God's going to take it out on you. That's what you get. No. The more sin there is, what does he say? The more grace there is. Okay? Where it says grace increased, the New American Standard says grace abounded. Okay? The word literally means to abound more exceedingly. Okay? One, one Greek source I looked at basically just said it super abounded. It's just super, grace super abounded. No matter how great human sin is, or maybe I should say no matter how great it becomes, God's grace overflows beyond it and abundantly exceeds it. It's not like, it's not like you know, there are 50, let's make up numbers, there's 50 billion sinners and God says, oh, it's too bad. I only had enough grace for 40 billion. That's just really too bad. <laughs> no, there could be 60, 70 billion. The grace of God will exceed the sinfulness of man. And so the end of verse 20, it says, grace increased all the more. Now verse 21, so that... Just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so verse 12 and verse 14, it says, Sin reigned and therefore there was death, right? Everyone sins, everyone dies. But, verse 21, through grace, to quote Albert Barnes, the provisions of redemption are in themselves ample 
to meet all the ruins of the fall. Anything you want to say that, that, that's horrible, sinful, terrible, that comes from the fall, the provisions of God's grace, the provisions in redemption is ample enough to cover every single bit of it. Sin is in abundance, but he says God's grace exceeds it. We see all the sin, <laughs> but there's a lot of grace going around too. And so even though there is a lot of death, and not just physical death, but spiritual death, we see cemeteries, but how many of those people ended up going to hell because they did not accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior? Right? But there can also be life, he says. Eternal life, Paul says. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the grace, right? Back to verse 15, right? How much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, what does he say? Overflow. That kind of reminds you of that word abundance, right? Or superbound. It overflowed to the many. And so salvation begins with God's grace. That grace is applied to you and me in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and in Him alone. It's no one else. It's not one of many options. It's Christ and Christ alone. Okay? Life, He says, comes through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I close with this quote from Barnes. He says, The gospel is able to overcome sin of the most malignant form, of the most aggravated character, of the longest duration. Sin in all dispensations and states of things can be thus overcome, and the gospel is more than sufficient to meet all of the evils of the apostasy and to raise up the race to heaven. I mean, you think about the grace of God. I'll be, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I, in my Christian life, I don't usually think about the grace of God. But I've thought about it a whole lot going through this second half of this chapter, which we've spent five sermons on. But it really focuses on the greatness of God's grace. Something I think we really should be reminded of. It overcomes every sin that you've committed, every sin that you will commit. God has every right to toss every one of us. But every time we fail, hopefully it's less and less every day, but every time we fail, God's grace is more than sufficient to cover us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your grace. You remember, as we spoke of a few weeks ago, without your grace, we wouldn't even have the opportunity of salvation. Without your grace, Christ would have never even come, which means no matter how much faith we have, it, was, it would be irrelevant without your grace. It is by grace that we are saved. And on our part, Scripture says that is through faith. But Lord, it starts with your grace, and, and, and the more I've studied this, it really ends with your grace. Your grace affects us each and every day.
and it affects the lives of so many who come to faith in Christ. We thank you for it, Lord, because we know sin is plenty. We know everyone's sinful. We know it gets worse. We know it got so bad at the very beginning. You wiped out the whole world because of how evil. And we look at what's going on today and we literally just shake our head and it is mind-boggling what is accepted today or what is literally pushed as right. And yet it is, it is evil, it is immoral, it is perverted. But Lord, for those who choose the other side, who choose Christ, your grace can change their lives. Your grace through Christ can forgive them of all those sins, all those beliefs they once had. And Lord, help us to see that more and more, that your grace is abounding. And then help us to stop and to thank you for it. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen.